This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. I always say this. I'm always like, make it weirder. Make is this? I'm like, is this court okay to go to? Like, is that too, like, not, is that weird? Is it unexpected? Because I don't want it to sound like, um, like I, <laughs> yesterday I said, make it sound like it's a 12 year old orchestra band who is not good, <laughs> but make it cool and like distorted and like, you know, I think there's just, there's a lot of fun when you let go of, of the rules. In the same vein, you know, you gotta be in the room with someone who understands how things work too. So my name is Trace. I am a writer, a singer, artist. I live in Los Angeles. I'm a Gemini, a very stable one. I'm grateful to do what I get to do. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Today we have Trace on. She's an indie uh, musician, singer-songwriter based here in LA. She has music that I am very uh, into. Um, reminds me of the early music that I grew up with, uh, Mazzy Star and Cocteau Twins and uh, Trace has a very interesting story, uh, both inside the um, Vietnamese American community as well as being an American um, artist. And so thank you for coming on today, Trace. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? That is a very intense question in that to be asked that I don't take that lightly anymore because I grew up obviously, you know, American, but I recently kind of understood the gravity of looking the way I do and coming from where I do come from, you know, as Asian Americans, we're just trying to assimilate and grow and, and survive. So that question you ask me, I think it just, it feels like an honor. It feels like an appropriate amount of responsibility to be a Vietnamese American artist and what it, it means to just like do it justice, to do it well, to make my mom proud, to be like, I'm Vietnamese and I get to do music as a Vietnamese woman. And just to be very, um, not cautious, but very tender with like the story that I say and tell. So did you, uh, you know, grow up around a lot of music? Yeah, so my mom is Carol Kim and she's a famous, pop <laughs> icon and I say I laugh because I just forget that's not normal and so I grew up it it being very normal it's why it, it took me two and a half decades to do music because I was like this is not cool like why would I like that's cute and we're also just trying to resist doing what our parents do yeah. so jokes on me and so yeah I grew up I grew up in the nightclub you know, she was a great mom, but I wasn't like out partying or anything, but I grew up going to re rehearsals and just like the bass grew me up and I would just eat, you know, cherries out of jars and 
I was like a, a mini adult, you know, because I just, I've, I've always been like a good kid and, and I just enjoyed being around my mom and seeing what she did. So, so I was around that, but it wasn't a household where I didn't sing when I was younger and my mom didn't sing me to sleep or anything. Like it wasn't very like that, but I think going to like see my mom play or sing and rehearse was like a big part of my life. And, and just being around her singer friends, like the entertainment industry, I was very immersed in as a, as a young kid. You know, I, I don't want to stay too long on your mother, you know, but sure. it, it is a very, uh, I have a lot of questions because I did grow up uh, and I've seen her perform in my life, mm. you know, um, at the Majestic or a Diamond or mm -hmm. the Ritz, you know, all these, Ritz, yeah. all these places that were around when I was a, a young person. How does, you know, you go from sort of that pop music from Vietnamese America or Vietnamese diaspora or pre-75 uh, Saigon rock mm -hmm. evolve into somebody with your um, your taste and your sounds. Mm. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say on this, so you'll have to just like corral me, but I, my mom makes a joke that I love and she said it once at her show and it was really funny. <laughs> she said, she said, I'm really hot and Trace is really cool. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, what do you mean? And my mom has always been very, very proud of me and very curious of how I came out the way I did because she is disco, rock and roll, sexy. Like I'm a sexy in my own way, but it's, you know, she's very like, let's go. And my music's sad and slow. And she's always like, why are you so sad? And I'm like, well, how much time do you got? And I, I would say, the generation, you know, but I think she was trying to sing her way out of a war mm. and I am able to just sulk and be sad in America. You know, there is a privilege. If we wow. wanted to go deeper with that ethos, I think like I'm able to sing sad songs. My mom was like, no, people wanted to dance. People didn't need to be more sad. And I find that really beautiful. And I find that the lore of music of getting to literally heal, you know, an entity of people and so I respect her genre. Obviously, I grew up my whole life. My mom saying, you could be a famous Vietnamese singer if you want. She's like, I can do that for you. And I'm like, I know. Like, you can be a, a poppy Vietnamese girl just dancing her booty off, which is cool. Like, I love to each his own. I never, that never was me. And my mom always respected that. And so I think even growing up and wanting to do music later, or, you know, my mom actually knew I could sing before I did. And she would tell her friends like, oh, this is, you know, she's a really good singer, but she's going to sing one day for the Americans. And she would say it like in Vietnamese, you know, like, it's just like the funniest thing hearing her say, like, she'll sing for the Americans. And so I think that, yeah, I think the space that I got to grow up in, the influence that I had, I didn't listen to Vietnamese music. So I was like an emo girl and I'm an indie girl and like a Mazzy star girl. Um, so I... Alanis Morissette, you know, and so I kind of had different influences, but I do love what she does. And I'm curious of what that could look like in the future of like merging genres and just kind of getting back into like a, a sweaty disco vibe. Like I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest, the biggest shift in our different mm. roles as musicians and artists. Damn. I got to go. We got to circle back to this singing for the Americans. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't get that out of my mind. Yeah. Now, when you are existing in your world today, do you feel like you're singing for the Americans or do you feel that you're American? 
Mm, good question. Whew. I really do feel like I'm singing for like, obviously everyone who feels other, but definitely I feel like I'm just singing for all my, my, my Asian American girlies or Asian girlies. I do feel like the most honored by these young women that I see at my, at my shows. And they're always like, where are you from? Like, are you, what, what's your background? I'm like, I'm Vietnamese and Malaysian. And they're like, oh my gosh, we, we are too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, cute. And then I'll cry in the green room after. So I do feel like I really want people who feel like they look like me to feel like they are hot and they are, they deserve to be heard and that they're stunning and that they're someone. And, you know, it's wild to grow up very differently than most Asian people, right? So like I grew up with my mom as an artist. So she's like, what's law school? Like, I don't care, you know? And I'm like, I kind of wish in some ways I was forced to play the piano or forced to go to like, not really, but obviously I'm grateful for how I was raised, yeah. but there was, there's a different there. I feel very alone in some ways too. And so I'm, but I do meet a lot of young people who are like, oh, what you do is so cool. I'm, you know, I'm like an accountant and I'm like, thank you for doing that. I could never do that. Like, that's cool. I'm here for you, girl. But I, I do think I'm singing for people who specifically look like me because I obviously feel like no one looks like me and I'm still a little lost in, on my end because I'm still trying to see like, you know, what musicians do I look up to or like outside of my mom, of course. And like, even in the TV and film industry that I'm kind of getting into, like I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't know, like there's there's a lack of representation, of course. And so I'm really grateful and hopeful to get to be a part of that, maybe for someone younger in the younger generations. So, Well, I can tell you, going back to you saying you're singing for girls that look like you and, you know, probably have your sensibility. But I can also say, though, and you're probably surprised to hear this, that there are guys in their late 40s, mm -hmm. Vietnamese American guys, that I know that would be into your music because they're into Mazzy Star, Alanis Morissette. Mm. They're into, I mean, these are real people. My brother, yeah. I have business partners that are into, and I tell them about your music. They're like, holy shit. And they, mm. they hear how, um, you know, authentic and how honest you are. And I think that goes a long way as well with connecting with people yeah. that you think might not be yeah. your your audience. But how do you yeah. get, I don't know, I, I read uh, in the tens of millions download, if it's just girls that look like you or feel like you, they, there's gotta be guys like me and my brother <laughs> and my business partners that are into your kind of music, right? It, mm -hmm. yeah. It's just authentic and words, can go many different yeah, yeah. ways. We hear it. And when I hear your lyrics, I'm like, oh, I can identify with this. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not like, you know, we've met before. I'm not like, I, I don't look anything like probably like the Asian girls that show up to your sure. shows, but I enjoy it very much. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I, I we just want to let you know that there's a lot of yeah. us that, that eventually will get to hear uh, the music and the work that you do. That, I mean, that means a lot to me. And I think ultimately I do feel like I'm singing for anyone who feels really anything or who might be hesitant to feel, I think, a sadness. There's there's something, it, I think it takes a healthy person to be sad. And so I'm very about not glamorizing sadness. I just hold weight very well. So I'm, I do want to be 
some sort of vessel where you kind of feel relief because I'm just like, it's, it's pretty hard out there, but I'm the most like faith filled, joy filled person for such a sad songwriter. And it's part of the the release and the beauty in that. So if anyone connects, which I've felt the connection with definitely I've, I've connected with like gay Latino men and I'm like, Oh, beautiful. Like, yeah. And I'm not Latino or man, but like, you know, just feeling very like, okay, cool. Like people just want to feel something. And if I can be a conduit to corral your emotions into a safe place, like I'm here for it. Yeah. And I'm just going to just plug it right now. Um, three songs that I really like. So mm. this is the beginning of the show. So people can stop what they're doing. Listen to these three songs. Uh, my favorite um, is suddenly emotions fall. The second one is honey. And then the third one is low. So if anybody is out there listening, um, stop listening to us right now and <laughs> play it and, and you'll, you'll hear what I'm, what I've been feeling yeah, in the last few weeks, few days. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just beautiful, beautiful music. Um, so you said you didn't have, uh, basically any formal music training. No, that's crazy. <laughs> I wish I like get so jealous of people who know theory and like, I, I'm a horrible guitar player. I can get, I can get by. I'm like a worse piano player. I just, yeah, I'm a writer. I feel, I can, I feel strong as a writer. I'm an okay singer, like whatever. Like I'm just, I like to write. So I kind of envy, well, that's why you work with people that are brilliant and I love working with people who are good at what they do. And so it's been a fun process because I'm not very precious. Like my ear is good, but I'm not like, man, I know some perfectionists out there that I'm like, wow, that does, it can get in the way of getting things done. Yeah. Cause I listen to the music and I listen to the complexity of your music. There is a, okay. We're not talking about Carol Kim's music with just basic chord progressions and sure. standard keys. You know, this is not what we're listening to. We're listening to very complex things with, um, you know, dissonant chords with, you know, just a lot of things that are going on that are not typical of like Vietnamese pop music. Yeah. Um, that I've always felt like needs to have somebody who understands music at a, at a very high level, but you're mm -hmm. like, no, I, I don't even know theory. I don't even, and it's, it, I, I bring this up because um, when I was coming up in music, I just always had thought, because I never finished my music journey, but mm. I always thought that in order to write music the way that I hear you playing it, I thought you have to know so mm. much about music. But now I'm learning today that you collaborate with musicians who yeah. are into this perfection, you said, right? Yeah, and it's also like language because, you know, big word scout, but I, I've said this a lot in the in the studio with people, but like, I'm like, I don't know what I like want, but I know what I don't want. And I think it comes with just understanding how to speak the language that you have to make up. Like yesterday was the most funny situation because I work with a collaborator often, so he knows my language. And I will say things like, okay, it feels like, it feels like the brass is like breathing too much and I want you to like bring it in. And he'll be like, beep, beep, bop, boop. You know, and I'm like, sick. I could learn production. I have Ableton on my computer. I have mm -hmm. Logic. Like, I kind of might. I might be good at it if I really took some time. I'm kind of like, I got enough stuff to do. I got to do other things, you know. So I, I like understanding enough for the meantime. But I think for me, it's more just like, yeah, like understanding language and listening to a lot of music too, 
and be influenced by the sounds that you like and don't like. And I appreciate you saying that about the songs that I've done because I always say this, I'm always like, make it weirder. Make, is this, I'm like, is this chord okay to go to? Like, is that too, like not, is that weird? Is it unexpected? Cause I don't want it to sound like, um, like I, <laughs> yesterday I said, make it sound like it's a 12 year old orchestra band who is not good, <laughs> but make it cool and like distort it. And like, you know, I think there's just, there's a lot of fun when you let go of, of the rules in the same vein, you know, you got to be in the room with someone who understands how things work too. So there's give and take, but, but shit, that, that description says a lot, you know, 12 year old, um, I'm not saying that particular description, but that method of describing a certain feel for uh, a section of the music yeah. uh, is huge because that sort of transcendency or what am I looking for? That sort of a, a, a ability to kind of transcend what your um, or even just to translate what your thinking and hearing in your mm -hmm. brain to somebody else's hands to do the mm -hmm. Ableton or the logic is a a massive tool, right? It's, it goes beyond even it songwriting. Is. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, because if you can't describe that, what you just said, and it makes sense to me, because when you mm -hmm. describe it, I can imagine myself being an engineer and going, okay, I I think I understand what this means, you know, yeah. or if the brass is too windy, uh, uh, you said too airy or whatever, I, I, yeah. I think I can understand yeah. that clarity coming out from, from a creator's brain. You know, I want to go back to your mom real quick. Yeah. Uh, you were going to different clubs and you're going to different events that she's performing at uh what kind of things did you see that do you think that kind of influenced and shaped your world view yeah i i am in a therapy so that's great so i'm trying to remember a lot of things i don't remember a lot from my childhood but i will say what has influenced me is truly how my mom is with people i think that i have the confidence from her because she is just literally so confident in what she looks like, how she sounds. And it's not easy. Uh, if anyone who knows my mom um, and what she looks like, at least, and what she sounds like, she doesn't look Vietnamese. She's mostly Malaysian. She's Malaysian and Vietnamese. So she's, so her family is, her dad's so dark. Her mom's very light. She just looks like, you know, like the Vietnamese word is like lie, like, like kind of like half, like, mm -hmm. what are you? Like, they're like, what is she? And so people don't think I'm Vietnamese either. And I'm like a lion or something, I don't know. But um, so seeing my mom kind of operate in the world and in, in feeling very like an outsider in a very potent community as a very potent music, musical influence, I feel that she's always just been herself. And the way that she treats people is really like beautiful and she's the most generous person I know. So I think she shaped this glitzy life to be very I think manageable. I think it's hard. And I've learned more now that she's like, this is a very hard industry. And we've had hard talks now that I'm doing this. And she's like, I know it's really hard. And like to tears to where she's like, I know it's hard, but like, you got this and you're going to last forever. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like for a woman oh. who's been singing, singing for over 50 years, like she finally gets what I'm doing. Cause she's kind of like, why is that? <laughs> you know, like, and she thinks it's really cool that I write my songs. Cause she's like, how do you write songs? And I'm like, I'm like, I have giftings from my mom somewhere. She doesn't write much, but you know, my, I don't have my mom's voice. Like I'm always like, how do you sing for like two hours? I don't get it. 
I get like tired after two songs, you know? So, but yeah, I think her ethos and the way she operated in the nightlife scene, I just felt very, I never felt, I always felt safe. And I keep saying that word, but I felt very like, it was like a family. Like we're all just a part of a family trying to like entertain people. And when you are in the, when you are in the limelight, like my mom is, um, it makes me want to be, I'm like, I want to be famous. I'm down. I can do it. My mom does a yeah. great job. And obviously it's different to be like, like American famous, but I do feel like there's a core, there's a soul that my mom has that I hope that I have that can handle like that life. I think it's passion that really drives us, right? That curiosity to see where we can take things that really kind of transform um, where we go. Now with the, with the writing and the actual putting the writing on, onto music, mm -hmm. how did that turn? Um, your life uh, how did how did it go from writing a lot to mm -hmm. infusing music into it my first EP was in 2015 and I wrote it in like 2013 or 12 and I wrote all these songs on a guitar and I remember just having these songs and I'm just like I don't want to be a guitar girl in a coffee shop no offense to any of that I just was like I don't want to be that artist you don't want to be Jewel I don't and I man she is successful and I'm like respect to her but not my vibe and I might return to it to be honest, but I was, it was a stage of just wanting to like move and groove a bit. Yeah. And so I was working as an editor in LA at that time. And I collaborated on a song, my first song with a, a, a guy who was like, Hey, do you want to sing the song that you showed me one time in college? And I was like, you remember that? I sang that song on his EP. as like a fun, cute project. And I was like, sure. And I went to a studio and it was so fun. I never sang into a mic and I was like, here we go. I didn't know what mixing was. I didn't know what anything was. And then it came out and I was like, hmm, but it sounded okay. It just didn't sound like me, whatever that was. And so that really pushed, I'm driven by authenticity. Like that sounds inauthentic to say that, but I'm, I have, the only thing that matters to me is sincerity. Perfection's boring, like cool. Like that's whatever. I just need it to be moi. And so I heard it. I was like, nope. And I was like at a lunch with a friend. She was just like, do your own stuff. And I was like, what do you mean? I have a full-time job. I'm working like 70 hours a day. I can't do that. And then I just thought about it. And I was like, I do have some songs. Basically, long story long, I took my like five cutie songs and I ran into a friend who I went to school with and he's a producer. And he was like, I'm moving to LA for like a little bit. I would love to help you. And I was like, what? And the timing was perfect. I did a Kickstarter. I basically gave him my songs and I played them to him like on my guitar. And I was like, make this Sylvanesso and Feist and like cool. I just want to dance and be sad. And he did a really good job. If you've listened, you've listened to the EP, it's like, it's very electronic. And that was my like splash into the industry. But I would say how I started writing from like not music to music was a passionate disdain for how I was being represented <laughs> musically. I was like, this isn't me. I'm just going to get this out of the way and show people like what I sound like. And then that blew up and I'm like, that's hilarious. And so I quit my job and did music. You know, how does that change your life? I remember just being at a diner when heavy shoulders, my first single came out and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm on the internet, like it's Spotify and there's my, there's my face and I got like a cool photo shoot. And I was just like, Okay, this is cool. I mean, it changed my life because it literally was obvious. Like Spotify put me on the indie playlist cover. Like my face is on it. And I was just like, what? Like, 
Then I got a manager, like a girl found me through a, uh, an event and she was like, I don't do management, but I would love to manage you. <laughs> like I'm an art major, but I love your story. And I just like loved seeing how you were or whatever at this thing I was at. And I was just like, cool. Like I, I, we don't get anywhere without relationships and I'm learning that I'm good at them and I'm really mm. grateful for them. And I don't forget a, a good one and I don't forget a bad one. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things in me that feels very, um, you know, still like I have my days I'm, I'm on tangent now, but like, I don't feel good enough or like, I don't feel cool enough. And my career has changed a lot since then. But like in the beginning, it was real nice. Like I was indie in the beginning and I, I paid for my rent for like a year and I was able to get on all the playlists and it really did change my life because it was such a specific year at Spotify. If younger artists now ask, which they have like DM me, like, how do you, what are your thoughts? How do you, how should I do this? I'm like, I don't know, get a TikTok. I don't, it's not the same anymore. Success looks so differently now in the industry. And like, I don't know what it's gonna take for your life to change. For me, it was literally my tangible thing is like to be on a Spotify cover and to be on playlists and to, then to get ultimately signed. I got signed to Sony like a year later. How do you uh, view being signed versus com being completely independent? Like, Yeah, I think that I understand people's desires to be signed. I think for me, I wanted to be on the radio. I wanted to win a Grammy and you need to be signed. You know, like that's just, it's like the actual only way. It's politically just like, that's how it is. And I'm like, I love a game. I can play a game. I think that being indie for the first part was really good and it took me a while to sign. It was ultra through Sony and they liked, they, they signed the sub label signed my single low. And so till this day, low has the most plays, which is really cool. And it says a lot, they put a lot of work into it. And also it's, um, yeah, it was, it was, it did really well. And so when I finally decided to sign, you know, the motivation was a combination of, you know, it's nice to know that you have a certain amount of money coming in. And I think for me being older and having a good lawyer and a good team, I was able to sign a very good deal. It was like, I can't like obviously like publicize it, but it was a very like good deal and people don't hear about that deal a lot. And so yeah, you don't, you never I hear, did, you never hear that. No. People are always like, Oh, we got screwed, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I finished my, my record deal in two years and I'm fine. And I will say that for me, it's interesting because I will say, and I would say this to them, I'm, there's nothing bad about them because the people that I worked with at Ultra were awesome. And the perks are awesome. You know, you can work in their studio in Hollywood, like no matter, like no charge, like you can, it's fun. And they put you in rooms and granted I was in a lot of rooms where I'm like, why am I in this room? But I also think a combination of this specific relationship was they didn't really know what to do with me because I am not a dance artist. So I'm not, if I'm working with a DJ, it's because they're my friend and I respect them and I like them. You know, I'm on my friend, Chris Manila Killa's album because I love his stuff and I respect him. I'm That's not the type of music I do, right? And so I think Ultra didn't know what to do with me because ultimately I wanted to be on like KCRW's Tiny Desk concert, you know? And so they're like, okay, cute. But like, do you know Kygo? I'm like, yeah. So I think for me, we took a chance on each other because I think I was their first artist who was a writer. And so we tried it out. And I will say, Ken, that my career was like this as indie. 
and Spotify loved me. And then when I signed, it was like this, like plateaued. Um, so it was like rock, rocketing into the sky in the beginning and then plateaued when I signed. My numbers didn't really change. And I, I, I want to kind of say, did it drop? Maybe. And I'm just kind of like, wow, that's so interesting. I was expecting like to pop off. And I signed around the same time as Sophie Tucker, which was a good example of like, okay, like, and they signed to, with Ultra. And I was like, they're doing great but their music is different than mine. And that means that means a lot because people, yeah, anyways, anyway, being signed was like fine. I have temptations now because I'm back to being indie and I love creative control and I had some during with Ultra, which was good. That was like a big part of my, my like agreement. It was like, I will not be creating artwork that does not feel like me. And so being indie, there's a freedom that you don't have with labels because you can, just, I can release a song tonight. I can, re I can record a song on my phone and post it up on my voice notes and make it a demo. And that'll be, that'll be great. So I think for me being indie now has been scary though, because post COVID music looks even more different and it's quite hard to survive as an indie artist, 100%, unless you're signing a pub deal or a sync deal, or you have a famous rich, parent that's you know not like a Vietnamese pop sorry because that's different that, that's you know I, I could say my, I'm not a child of a rich person you know like it's so different than like I have other artists in my head who I'm like they're going on tour because their dad does movies you know um but yeah I think being indie now is really tough and I will say I recently met um an, an angel investor and he is Chinese American and he's investing in my career. And we're doing this new thing where he really wants to be a part of like the narrative that I'm about, which is like, it's just not a real, it feels like a fake dream. And I'm, I'm grateful for this, this man in my life. Cause he's like, I want you, I want your fans to know that you're gonna always be able to do music because the world of being signed and the world of not being signed really screws your head up because I have wanted to quit every day for the last year. Like, why am I doing this? I have a degree, I can get a job, I can get a salary. It costs a lot to be an artist, especially a solo yeah. artist. When you, when you get asked to play a show, you're like, oh, amazing. And they're like, can you do a full set with a full band? I'm like, yeah do you is there money <laughs> i have to pay people i have to like people i have to pay people i don't really mind if i'm not paid i want to get paid of course but i need to make sure the team is paid so all that to say there's a lot um in this world that is in this music world that is i don't know if people understand it and i don't want to be a victim of like it's so hard being indie but we're looking for the money and we're looking for value and i think that we're in a place now really restructuring and revaluing what artists are worth even songwriters even too so i don't know what i answered but the i'm grateful to have been signed and to not been signed but could i tell you that i don't want to sign again i couldn't i mean if there's like a cool boutique mm. label who's like we want to sign you i'm like maybe let's go that sounds cool you are on what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
a certain trajectory as an indie from the get go and then getting uh signed and then it plateauing what do you think that was um i wonder you know it's quite weird to think about how much control a corporation has over your songs um i love spotify spotify paid for my food and my rent right in the beginning i'm not saying like I signed and all of a sudden like Spotify was like, oh no, she's signed now. Like, I don't know how that works. Cause I know like ultra like pitched the playlist too. So I don't know if you're, I have no idea. I don't, could I say like, did ultra try hard enough? Did they pitch me hard enough? Were they like batting for me hard enough? Or was my music different now? Like, did it just hit differently because now I know more about music and I'm thinking too much. So these songs aren't as pure or interesting or, you know, like the timing is insane. Oh. It's, it's almost like, you don't know what a hit song is. Everyone's always like, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is it. And then it doesn't, it's not it at all. And then this song that you're like, I guess let's release this one. And then it's like popping off and you're like, I don't know what people want. And uh, oh. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know. It's to be an artist is to literally be a gambler. Like to be an artist is to be like, let's go, let's go. Like, all I know is I've been doing this for seven years. It's not going to work if you don't like yourself at the end of the day. And I will say I didn't like myself for a hot minute back then. And I was trying to be more this or that to appease maybe, or I don't know. The songs that you can hear under Ultra are specific. They're a specific sound. And I'm proud of them because I wrote them all. But the Sonics, maybe not me, maybe not the most me. And so when I released my newest, my last EP, like help, or not like help, oops, uh, Cry Baby, I'm like, this is cool. This feels like me. And it's not even close to like what I'm doing now with my album. And I'm just like, I'm good. Let's release it and let's move forward. Yeah. I'm here. I'm proud of it all. But like, I'm way more excited about this stuff now because I keep growing up. I keep changing. I'm so different than I am last year. Like even how I am and who I like and how I operate and what I find important. And it's just like, you just become more you. And then you just keep writing about being you. And you're like, what a fun job. But it sounds okay. like you and I share something, which is this idea of making it is heavily dependent on money, mm -hmm. right? Yep. I, am I off or am I kind of like in the ballpark? No, I love it. I, okay. I can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, what is your mark of making it? Because you've already been signed, you've already quote unquote made a bunch of money, you know, in the early years. And, yeah. but now what's your mark? Is it tiny? What is it that uh, NPR tiny, tiny desk? Is yeah. it that? Is it that? Is it Coachella? What, what is it that is the next mark or uh, today? What is your mark of uh, making it yeah, again? I, I like that question. It's triggering, Ken, but I like that question. So well, I look, will say- the, the reason I ask is because I am, I, I wanna know these things for myself. I mean, yeah. first and foremost, you know, I'm, I'm deathly interested in this stuff because yeah. it affects the way I view the world and I wanna hear about it. Yeah, I think that I've learned deeply in my soul that success is not money. I know that. It's hard to go away from that. I think for me, it's been, uh, money is success and like 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 physical touch and intimacy is love like that's like how i like relate things and i'm like these are not true 
Um, and so for me on the, the former side, I think that the blanket consistent statement is like making it is able to do music as your full-time job. I have a lot of very talented and successful to me, friends who do music, but who also work at restaurants and coffee shops and work for their, their family. And I'm like, that's commendable and awesome. And I'm a bit stubborn. And I'm like, I will not work at a bar. Like I just get so like, I think I used to be very pr too prideful and very like, mm, no, no, no. And I've had moments where I was like, I guess I'm gonna work um, at a coffee shop and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for me, as I've been able to see my life and my journey, making it was signing to a label and I did, making it was like getting a business manager, making it was playing um, a headline show, which is really cool. And so I'm like, cool, if I look back at my life, I keep making it. And so now what does it look like? And it really does have to do with like the wellness of my soul. And a big part of that, right, is being able to afford therapy and like your rents. So like money is money is a tool, but it's also very necessary. And so for me today, making it feels like, hmm, <laughs> I, I think that I feel like when people kind of, the belief that people have in me goes a long way. And I think for someone to wanting want to manage me, I just I had a I had a manager and I kind of stopped having a manager and I, I was managerless for like three months and I have a new one now. And for someone to walk into my life and be like, I've seen your journey and I you're gonna you, we gotta go places. Like there's no way you shouldn't be doing these things. And I'm like, okay, interesting. And then to have this like beautiful angel investor be like, I haven't heard of you, but like he bought my NFT and he was just like, I looked at your catalog and I just like love your stuff and he's like how can I help your career? So I think making it is like living out transparently, like with your heart on your freaking sleeve and being so, so blatantly like open. Like I think making it is just like, hey, this is hard, but like, I think, I think it's worth it. I think for me making it is knowing that like, I'm not gonna wake up at the end of my life being like, I really should have done this. I really should have done this better. I really should have done it all. Like, I'm like, I can't, this is, and I'm also in my mid thirties. So I'm like, I can't go back like this. I'm only, I have to do this. Like we're only doing this. I can't like, what am I going to know? So making it is I think accepting the invitation to be a storyteller. And like, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I want to do it through music and film and TV. But like what making it to me is like, stop being so, dramatic about quitting so i'm i don't i don't say that anymore because that's stupid and my manager's like you're not saying that anymore and i'm like making it is just knowing who i am and so like that's the wholeness part like making it is knowing who you are and like i said earlier is like making it is liking who you are at the end of the day and just being like wow that was good a friend of mine in the music industry he's like congrats on the ep how's it doing and i was like annoyed by that and i was like well i'm doing good <laughs> like how is it doing do you want me to give you a data analysis of the numbers because they're not good like I'm, I used to have like millions of monthly listeners and I don't anymore and that's sort of okay and I'm I'm all right with that like is that making it to like the world probably not I think asking the question of like who you're making it for is like really important too and I know these work they're kind of I'm like my thoughts are everywhere now but like 
I love this question because I'm answering it live to you because I'm like, making it would also be me being able to buy my mom a Tesla and like having a house in Los Angeles. Like I plan on doing that and I'm going to do that. Making it is that, but that is not where I lay my life on because that's easy. I think what's hard is like really liking yourself and loving yourself and doing the work that you're called to do. Like that's just the hardest thing to do. What exactly does a music manager do for an artist? Hmm. Great question. I think that there's a lot of levels. I think not, this is not mine, but a lot of managers are babysitters because a lot of musicians don't do emails and don't follow up. And I'm a weirdo. I'm like, I love an email. I, I love a Google calendar. Like I'm very organized. So like a lot of managers are babysitters, especially for younger artists because they're just trying to like, I want to make my art, you know? Um, but at the same time, I think for me, what a music manager is now is someone who has vision with me. Um, what I know for, for, for sure is that a music manager should not care more about your career than you do, right? So a music manager, I think, keeps you accountable to the things you say yes to and the things you say no to. So, you know, it's like, I think, yeah, maybe you should work with this person or like, I don't know. You know, there's like, they're like a filter, a funnel, a soundboard for me anyways. Um, ideally a music manager is always thinking about the relationships that I could be making, whether it's brand partnerships or, or collaborations. Ideally music managers are connected and have a black book mm. of people, you know, like, Hey, this person's in the studio, you should hop in or, Hey, this person's at this like event, like someone who is a bit sociable and socially inclined towards the relationships that I want to make. Uh, a music manager is also someone who listens to the music and doesn't need to know music things but like i most of my managers have been like this is good good like they're not like these like they're not like yes this is the one but like they're just people who i would hope keep pointing you back to like your goal you know and so yeah i think my my manager we just started together obviously we're very close friends so it would be like a fun journey but like yeah music managers sits with you and looks at your quarterly goals too and so for me, how I've operated is by goals, like quarterly goals. So I have a 12 month goal. And she was like, what, what do you want in your 12 months? And I was like, I'd love to tour. I would love to um, do some big brand partnerships. Um, I might want to dabble in DJing. That sounds interesting. And I, you know, and I kind of went all the other way. I'm like, I want a book deal and I want to get my pilot sold. And she's like, okay, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. So she like sees like who I am as a whole. And she's kind of just like that person that like really is thinking ahead of, of me when I can't. Mm. And and someone who's like, go, yeah. I'm like, I gotta go in the studio. I can't make this phone call. And they're like, you should be in the studio. Like someone who's like, go to the studio. Have you been was, to Vietnam? It was really cool. I It was cool to see my mom show me around. Wow. And I got to watch her perform in Da Nang. And so we flew. You've been, um, oh, you're from, you're born. No, no, I was born here in this okay. U.S., but I, I go back two, three times a year. Okay, so you know it. Great, love it. So I went to Da Nang, never been there, and I got to see my mom perform. And I remember sitting as, like, an audience member, and, like, I heard the people talk about her, and they're like, she hasn't been back since, like, the war, and, like, blah. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I just, like, left backstage, like, just she and I just drinking cognac and be like, break leg, mom. You know, it was just very, like, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing music yet. So I was very just like, I'm, I'm, I'm an audience member. I'm a daughter. I'm a, an appreciator. And so it was like nice to have that lens and see Vietnam through her eyes. And we went to where she grew up and I got to see like 
truly my mom grew up so poor obviously it's probably not shock like it's just a poor country in general and like the way that she grew up you know she had like her parents like her dad was a my grandpa I never met him but he was like a judge so like you know he did well but they had like 10 kids and she literally lived in like a tree house and so I look at her upbringing and I realize the importance of like okay we she always just had a nice car because <laughs> that was important for her you know here and so now I have to have a nice car because I'm like, it means something. It means safety and insecurity. It means like we are not who we used to be. My mom did a lot to make sure I didn't have to live in a treehouse, you know? And so it gave me a lot of insight on where she comes from and how she views money and wealth. And, and she, she still pays for people who take care of her parents' uh, grave. She still sends money to them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is a, this is a different ecosystem of living and it really does do something to the way I live and how I see my life and how I want to live and give and I can do a better job at it but I definitely I have that that backing and so yeah visiting was beautiful and on a very like surface level it's so beautiful there the food is insanely delicious we played tennis we went on like boat rides and ate the best fruit and lived like king and queens like it was just so fun and people didn't know i was vietnamese because i'm a giant there i literally felt like a giant there i was just like just drawn <laughs> i'm like tall-ish for like an asian girl and my mom is too and so we we're both just like these two sore thumbs just walking around getting charged extra at like temple tours they're like you're chinese and we're like no we're vietnamese so it was really fun and funny do you follow other Vietnamese um, artists uh, sort of in your space? I like don't. Like who are, I mean, like I see the names. I will say, I will say that um, they, the music isn't like, I'm not, it's not like my music. Like I like the, the type of music that I hear on like these, like not even like these Vietnamese playlists, but like, I think like these Asian centered playlists, like I respect people and what they're doing and stuff but like i don't i think asian is even in vietnamese right so i i don't really know many vietnamese artists and if i've if i've come by them i'm kind of like cool not my jam but like respect and i love that we're all doing our own thing there's a lot of rapping and a lot of like hip-hoppy and i'm like i love that stuff and a lot of intense like dance vietnamese artists i'm definitely open for them like is hannah vu vietnamese She's Vietnamese. I love Hannah Vu. Like that's like a one person. I'm like, ooh, like that's yep. sick, you know. But like, I do she listen to Asian like, artists. Yeah, she just played like a month ago um, in DTLA in the art arts district. Oh, cool. Yeah. Then there's Tao from the Get Down. She's oh, I mean, I Tao. love Tao. Yeah. Love Tao. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think like there are like a handful. That, that's who I'm talking. Yeah, like, that's the know. sort of yeah, young, like, the young artist Vietnamese um, musician. Keshi, yeah. Keshi is oh. uh, Vietnamese. I didn't know that. I know. Okay. A lot of people, like, I didn't know that either. Just somebody brought that up. That's wild. Okay, cute. I'm like, how do we get all of our Vietnamese people together? There are, um, I don't know. I could be so wrong here. Okay. I'm just going to just Let's say it. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of Vietnamese Americans in the film business, TV, film, right? Production. There's directors, there's writers, there's producers. There's, that's a long history of. Yeah. Vietnamese Americans in film, um, yeah. starting with, in my opinion, from Tony and Tim Bowie, um, mm -hmm. from three seasons. Uh, that's when yeah. I got involved because I went to USC at that time and right. started participating with those guys. And there's a sort of lineage of a lot of people in that 
but I don't have a real uh, grip on Vietnamese musicians. And I don't know why the music business is, uh, it's new to me um, in terms yeah. of Vietnamese um, Americans uh, in the mainstream. And I want to know more. I want to get to know more. I, I'm putting it yeah. out there right now to the universe. Yeah, I'd sure. love to get these people on like on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that reminds me a lot about like 88 Rising, what they're doing yeah, and how absolutely. I feel left out because I'm not that person. You know, like I'm like, even as a Vietnamese, I'm like, I know I'm not Japanese or Korean, you know, but I'm like, I'm cool. You know, so it's like, it, it is tough. It feels like I'm still trying to excavate that. And I definitely want oh my God, to be I a could part totally of that. hear you at 88 Rising. I've been twice and I could totally. I mean, I'd love to be there and I don't feel totally like I'm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We have some goals, but I'm just like, what's happening? Like, why? Yeah. So there's a lot of potential, I think. Yeah, there, there's a lot of room left. Uh, a lot. There's just so much. Yeah, there's know, space, there is room. Yeah. Space for for everybody um, to to eventually just kind of like fulf just fill up the space. But I don't. I mean, you're like one of the people out of like a handful of you know Keshi, mm -hmm. Hanavu, Tao, Tui. Mm -hmm. uh, Trace, you know, Dolly Av is a new person that's coming on um, hmm. the scene. Okay. Young artist, yeah. Cool. So there's like, I don't know, six or seven people that are that are that I know of. I mean, yeah. But in the film space, there's a so there's a lot of mm -hmm. support and a big community. Yeah. Um, and I wonder why that is. You know. Yeah, I mean. I will also say too, though, like perhaps this is interesting, but like I think the language, like the Vietnamese language, is so poetic. So I think there's a lot of writers. I mean, like Ocean's a good example, but like the writing, like listen, like reading Ocean's work, pushed me to be like, oh, I it's cool that I know Vietnamese, and I like that's really great. And I'm like, wow, I can really see language differently now, and it really has informed my writing now. Just yeah. like what words mean and stuff. So maybe just even the writing sense, it feels like just more accessible, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think music's also just very weirdly hard and specific and fickle. Yeah. It's very you know? hard. Yeah. It's very hard. And I think in film, there's more of a team dynamic. Like you mm -hmm. need each other, you know? Yeah. And you look yeah. for each other to work with each other, you know, yep. there, there's that. But in music, yep. you're right. It's just like, it could be just you and a guitar, you and a piano, or you just, yeah. they're singing and, that is just a different game. I mean, you make a good point now because I'm thinking as I started doing writing, I actually have, I'm, I'm a part of a Vietnamese writing group. What? Like I was invited by my friend, uh, T, T Ho and T, I met through a friend, through a friend, but T is a writer, um, like in the room kind of writer, like brilliant. And she's awesome. And our story kind of, without going too further into the story, but she basically wrote a story about her parents in a refugee camp. And in that, in the story, um, my mom plays a part in it because uh, it's like, there's like a famous girl in a magazine and it's my mom. And so she found out who I was. And so we kind of talked about it and I was like, oh, like that's my mom. I'm actually writing a story about my mom. And so she's like, oh, like talk to me more about it. So she invited me into this like writer's group. And so it was really cool sharing my pilot to like a, a, a screen of like seven Vietnamese people and be like, this is my pilot, and they gave me thoughts, and it was cool. And this is a Vietnamese uh, just writing group, or is it Vietnamese uh -huh. film writing or screenwriting group? Uh, like screenwriting, screenwriting group. Okay, we talk 
off screen about that. I yeah. Hear, but, so we yeah. were, I was plugged in so quickly, like you were saying to your point, so quickly into a film world. So yeah. quickly. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's there. There's an entity, there's a group and it's like, they're doing things, you know, they're, they're, they're so plugged in, you know, yeah. uh, they, I think that they are, they exist. The film community, the Vietnamese film community exists on the, 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 the furthest mainstream, like closest to the mainstream that you can get. I think, in, in my brain and in, in, in the entertainment space. Yeah. You know, mu music is uh, far few, far and few between. Um, yeah, I, well, it's maybe because I just don't know enough about it. You know, I, and I'm putting it out there in the universe. I want to know more. I want to yeah. meet more. Um, you have your Teresa Mize, who she just won the Grammy this year, Sangeeta. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, she just won the, the, the Grammy and, and now we have Mike Van over at Billboard. But uh, you know that groundswell needs to uh, appear. Yeah, yeah I think so too. And I'm like, I'm encouraged by that. Like, I'm encouraged by it because, like you're saying too, it's like there is room. And I'm really over uh, the scarcity mindset. You know, when you see someone like, like for me, it's like I will be very honest. Like, I see, I know that she's not Vietnamese, but um, I'm gonna her name. Crying in H Mart, Japanese um, breakfast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, oh, she wrote a book. Oh, she got it you know, it's going to be made in an A24 thing. And I'm like, no, like, I want a book. I want, and I'm like, Trace, you're good. Like, there's room, you know, it's just like, I like, it just makes you feel like it's, it's good. At the end of the day, you're like, okay, people are wanting this. I, it's not far. And just feeling very influenced and very encouraged by like seeing, like, especially even seeing Ocean do so well. I'm like, oh, it makes me so encouraged to feel to feel like he's like, I'm a year older than him, but I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like queer and Asian. That's like, we should be best friends. Like, what are we doing? How do we work together? Let's, Let's go. go, it's gonna happen, whatever. But. Well, Trace, thank you so much uh, today. You know, um, it was a pleasure running into you at the uh, Silver Lake Reservoir. And um, you know, that's that's why we're here today. Um, hopefully today is uh, the first of many that we will um, see you see you part of. Yeah, thank you. And I love what you're doing. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And it's not easy, but I'm sure it's life-giving and it's really cool to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Thanks again for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.